So two quick things. Um, I want to make everybody aware that this Wednesday night I'm going to be teaching a very important teaching that I hope all of the adults who call this church their home, that you'll consider being with us. I'm going to be talking about what I feel like is a very right now important, urgent matter for all churches, and that is to focus strategically with urgency on the next generation. It's going to be easier to raise godly sons than to reach them after we didn't raise them right. And so we, and daughters, of course, and so. Thank you very much. So Thursday, January 20th, there is a meeting here, and you can find all the details on our website and whatnot, and it's an interest meeting. There is a pod of fourth or fifth graders that's actually starting already, starting now this month. And so um, those two things are very important, and I hope you'll participate and be with us. Today I was planning on resuming the series this is that where we look at what's happening in our world today and we see that the scriptures prophesied it and it was late in the week I felt redirected and so I do plan to resume and I feel like I can confidently announce that I will resume that series and for the next eight weeks we will be looking at some critical issues going on in the world that were prophesied from Scripture, and the Scripture also instructs us on how to view those things and what to do in the world. And it's going to be an encouraging, powerful time. A lot of study and research and reading, and so I'm pumped about that. But this morning, um, I want to talk to you about opportunistic living, taking advantage of opportunities, seizing Kairos moments 
being able to recognize them and seize them and make the most out of them. If you weren't here last week, and I know the last two Sundays were both right after a holiday, so there were a lot of people that weren't, and many of you are getting back into town and getting back in the groove, and um, so I want to just review a little bit. There was a word in early December, if you're new to our church, typically most every year, the Lord gives me a, a word, and I feel like it's a prophetic instructive word for us as a church it's a mindset that we're to have or it's a scripture that we are to claim and the Lord this in in early December gave me the word urgency and it was very um, strong in my spirit and as I prayed and we came into we come into the new year I really want to just sometimes you got to say things more than once or twice for people to really get it And we're a mobile society, and not everybody hears everything every week. But I I want everybody to to grab that in your spirit, that we are to be urgent in this season. The word urgent is an adjective, and it means a situation requiring immediate action or attention. And so let me juxtapose that. We as believers are in a season that we are to be urgent. We are to have urgency. We are to move quickly when we know what we need to do. We're not to be procrastinators. We're to to take action, to be intuitive, to see what needs to be done and do it. But when you're urgent, it doesn't mean that we have panic. We're not frantic. We're not distressed or distraught. There's a big difference. We are urgent about the things of God. And we are confident with faith about the things of God. And that no matter what we see, we know who is sovereign and he's our father. So how many of you will just raise your hand and say, I'm I'm down with that. I can embrace that. We're going to be urgent. And I just, I want to encourage, and I know some people are not as intense as others. But I want to encourage those who who moves slow. I met with the leader of our denomination Thursday night because I had some pressing things. And I thank God we met one-on-one in his office. And I just shared some of this. And I know in big organizations like denominations, big, you know, we're eight or nine million people in our denomination around the world. And we're in a season where we can't take three or six months and investigate it, get all the data. And I know there's value in leadership that does that, but I think we're in a season that those kind of leaders have got to assess and move out, move out quickly, listen, quickly with conviction. And so we are to be urgent. And and I I wanna encourage everybody about the things of God. Do not procrastinate, move with faith. And we're gonna need the Holy Spirit to help us, listen, to discern, okay, this is the word of the Lord, and then to move in faith with confidence that he would empower us, give us that dunamis, the, the power of the spirit of God, and we'll talk about that a little more in a minute. The three verses that I read last week are found in Ephesians chapter five, and I wanna add verse 18 this week. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. 
And listen to this, making the most of every opportunity, seizing, seizing every opportunity. The New King James and other translations say, redeem, redeeming the time, the kairos time, not chronos, but making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, and again, Paul turns and he said, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Everybody look. Don't just know. Don't just do the Lord's will. God wants us to understand what it is. How he op. I'm hope you're. I'm hope I'm able to dis, to to drill down and give you something deeper than just appreciate the will of God. But understand it. Know it. Begin to know how God operates. How what His ways are like. Begin to be able to embrace the truth. One thing to know about the truth. It's another thing to know it, live it, experience, and be convinced of the freedom that truth brings. And so Paul says, understand what the Lord's will is. And then he juxtaposes, don't be foolish. And he says in verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Verse 18 The New Living Translation says it like this. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Drunkenness. And I'm not talking just about alcoholic drunkenness. Drunkenness by way of alcohol is never okay in the word of the Lord. It's not what God would have for us. Proverbs speaks about it. The word speaks about it. But listen. People are drunk on many other things besides alcohol, selfishness, consumeristic living. We're drunk on greed. We're drunk on politics. We're drunk on Fox News. We're drunk on social media. There's a stupor that comes. And it puts us in a daze. And we get disoriented to what the truth is. And Paul says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So don't, don't live in a daze. You'll miss it. And then he says, he doesn't say it this way, but I think that he's intimating this. If you're going to be inebriated, be inebriated by the Spirit. Be intoxicated with the Spirit of God. And I could talk a lot, you know, drunk people have what my dad said in the Marines was liquid courage. You know, five foot 11, 170 pounds. I don't care if you're six, four and a former linebacker in the NFL and 245 pounds, I will kick your butt, you know, and that's what alcohol will do to you. Alcohol also causes you to lose self-consciousness and you're not aware of how, what an idiot you're making of yourself. And, um, and, and, and it has all of the, it causes you to be flexible. People who are drunk, who are in car accidents, sometimes survive them because they just, they go with it. And, and there's some parallels. And Paul would say, you know, you need some God courage. You need to be intoxicated by, listen to me, not just having the indwelling of the spirit that comes when you get saved, but being continually filled to John chapter 7, opening up to more Holy Spirit so that you can go to Goliath. I'm not saying you ain't no giant. I'm saying you're getting ready to be a dead giant. You know, liquid spiritual courage. Y'all out there picking up what I'm putting down? You know, um, 
losing self-conscious and going, I don't care what people think about. And I'm not talking about being a fool for Christ. But I'm talking about not being so consumed with how people perceive you. You know, being able to witness to the waitress or the waiter. Being able to, to act one aid it. Let, becoming an effective witness. And then in the, when you're intoxicated and inebriated with the Spirit, you're, you're more flexible. You're with God, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm going to roll with this. How many of you are up for getting a little bit tipsy in the Holy Spirit this morning? <laughs> Come on, how many of you for real? And I'm not talking about laying around in the floor, doing all the crazy. We don't do crazy at this church, but there's a fine line. We are open to the outpouring of the Spirit. Not only are we open to it, we gotta have it. Without it, we're just a group of people with conservative ideas. But with the Holy Spirit, we are the living body of Christ in the earth today. The church of the Almighty God. Hallelujah. So now, let's break this down real quick. Paul says, be very careful how you live. And brothers and sisters, Sometimes I just get a pastoral word, and it's not special. And I didn't read a lot of uh, commentaries. Very little time was spent. I just sat down, and the Lord was saying, as it relates to urgency, if you love these sheep, shepherd them this way. Hear me. Be very careful how you are living right now. Do you ever think about what you're thinking about? Most people live in a daze, in a stupor, getting stuff done, going through the motions. And I want to say to you that we are to right now pay attention. Don't just go through the motions. Walk circumspectly, the King James Version says. What is that? Look around, keep your head on the swivel. Don't just be ignorant about what's going on. But don't be overwhelmed by what's going on. See what's going on. Be filled with the Spirit so that you can know how to react in regards to what is going on. Understand what's happening around you. And ask Father God for wisdom, what you're to do, how to handle it. Paul says here, don't live like fools. You, you, if you live like a fool, you're foolish and you won't be able to make, you won't be able to live carefully and circumspectly. And what is a fool? Psalm 14.1 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So what does that mean? The fool goes, I'll never have to give an account for what I'm doing. Things don't really matter. There's no supreme being, no creator that I'll have to ever answer to. The fool says, that's how I'm going to live. That's what the scripture says. Don't live carelessly though, brothers and sisters. Don't be foolish. Don't be mindless. Stop sleepwalking through life. Live like those who are wise. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Most of us have learned this verse this way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now this is not, I'm in fear of an angry God. I'm in fear of an angry judge. This is, I have great reverence and awe for him. Because he is a perfect father. 
He is a loving father. And because he loves me, I love him back. And that love causes me to revere him. And I have knowledge that one day I will stand before him. One day I will give an account for my actions and the way I lived out my life. I won't be foolish thinking I'll never have to account for this. No, right there, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I could, that could be a whole sermon. Learning to, listen, appropriately fear God is the beginning of how you figure out what life is all about. It's the beginning of wisdom. And so I would say to you, don't let life, don't let 2020 the leftovers of 2021 lull you to sleep. Listen to me. Romans 12, verse 2 in the message says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Now, everybody look right here. It's the culture, human sociology, anthropology teaches us The culture is unavoidable. The culture is going to squeeze you into its mold. The media is going to tell you what to think over and 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 you will not be able to think anything other than that unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the only way to see and discern what truth is what the right thing is to do. The culture, fish do not realize they're wet. They don't even realize what water is. It's all they've ever known until you get them out of the water. And then they... Until they can, what? Somehow flop back in the water. And we are in this culture, not realizing it unless the Holy Spirit is in us, filling us up, convicting us of sin, righteousness, and judgment, shaping Jesus in us, reminding us what his word says, and then the Holy Spirit helps us when we're in the culture, helps us get out of the culture. Are y'all out there this morning? I'm trying to illustrate... And I'm not trying to over-illustrate. This is, this is what it is. And so, when I say to you, make, be very careful how you're living right now. Be very careful how you're living. Think about what you're thinking about. Think about your life. Secondly, make the most of every opportunity Redeem the time. The word here for time is the word kairos. You look up the Greek. In the, in the Greek, this word means it's okay. And don't even worry about it, Brent. We, we, we love Savannah. We are not distracted. She's responding to the word of God. 
Don't let her, you, don't you be a, we got it. Amen. Who knows what might happen in her life? We just, let's give her every chance to hear. I, every, when she does that, I just hear her going, amen. She just said in her language, I love you, Pastor Chuck. Keep on preaching. They need it. Amen. So, there you, I'm with you, Savannah. If, you, if we'd have more people like you, they'd be waking up up in here. The word kairos in the Greek means this, a fixed and definite time. The time when things are brought to crisis. The decisive epic waited for. The other word in the New Testament for time is the word chronos. We've talked about this. Chronos is chronological time. Tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock. Minute, minute, hour, hour, day, day. Wall calendars, it's just a marked time. Kairos is a special time within time when an opportunity is available. Kairos is a, as I've said through the years, it's a boom time. It's tick tock, tick tock, boom. And we are living. We are living in an epoch. We are living in a kairos. And Paul says right here, learn to redeem those special moments. Special moments are often camouflaged by chaos. And if you know anything about the Bible and the miracles of, of the Bible, that's when God showboats. That's when God shows up and does miraculous things. Are y'all out there? So may we learn to operate and understand we move with urgency in this epoch, this Kairos moment, because God is about to do something. We don't know what it is. We don't know exactly when it will happen. But we know in this epoch, we are going to make the most of this opportunity. Kairos versus Kronos. Make the most. Redeem the time. Because the days are evil. Live with urgency. Living in a, in a situation that's requiring immediate action. You don't have three more years to figure out, is that public school helping or hurting my child's faith? We've got to move quickly. There are three kinds of people in the world. Those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those people who wonder, what just happened? Don't be one of those that watches. Don't be one of those that sits back after it happens and wonder. We're prepared for 2022. Our faith was designed and built for such a time as this. This is our finest hour. Don't let the camouflage of crisis make you feel overwhelmed. I said it last week. We are not stuck behind the eight ball with no options. We're not between a rock and a hard place. We are in a glorious epoch, a season where God is causing, calling his people to be urgent and make the most of every opportunity. So don't sit watching, thinking you are helpless and whatever happens is going to happen and there is nothing you can do about it. Don't sit back living foolishly like, ah, I'm not sure God is really even real anymore. Millions of Christians are cashing out. 
You look at the artists on the top 20 songs in Christianity right now. The lives they're living. We'll talk about it on Wednesday. What's being espoused? Don't live your life foolishly as if God, I'm not sure he exists anymore, so let's just try to be a conservative, moral group of people. No, don't sit back like that. Living foolishly, selfishly. Letting things happen. And then asking at the end of 2022, Pastor Chuck, what just happened? What, what's going on? And what are we going to do? Don't do that. Here's the mindset I want all of us to have. An urgent mindset that says, I was made for the boom moments. And I want all of us, listen, you heard me say in December, the shepherds didn't know they were going to be in every Christmas play for the next 2,000 years. <laughs> they didn't. Mary, Zachariah had no clue what was happening as it happened. Let's live our lives knowing we have a leading role in the play God is writing right now. Listen, we are not the stars. There is only one. But we are playing crucial, critical, leading, supporting roles to the star. May we live our lives knowing that's our calling. Are you all out there this morning? What does it mean to live life going through the motions? It means to live out the schedule that your circumstances dictate. When you're just going through the motions, you go about your day doing your same old routine with no sense of purpose, enthusiasm, or interest. It kills your motivation and inspiration. To live going through the motions cannot be done in a spirit-filled way. So don't be complacent. Pay attention to your curiosity. Could be the Holy Spirit in there trying to help you see things a different way. Set some goals. Follow a game plan. Remind yourself or ask God to remind you, what were those God-given dreams you gave me, Lord, years before these crises started piling up? Set some goals. Have a game plan. Ask God how you can be on purpose and how you should feel right now about what's happening. Don't feel victimized by what's happening in the world right now. I'm going to say it again. Don't feel victimized by what's I don't care in any way, racially, religiously. Don't sit back going, up, up poor old Christians, what they're doing to our Ten Commandments, and those judges, don't sit back. We don't have time to be victims. We are not victims. We are going to make the most of this crisis. You need to ask yourself, am I willing to get out of the boat in this Kairos moment? Am I willing to live when everybody's afraid of death? Am I alive in this moment today? encourage you to check your pulse right now. And I want to encourage you to live in this moment. We focus too much on what we don't have. We focus too much on what we can't do. And I have two words from the Lord for you. Stop it. Stop focusing on what you don't have and what you can't do. The feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew chapter 14 where the disciples said, this place is deserted. 
There are no restaurants nearby. And it is late. And the people are hungry. And they were going, crisis, crisis, crisis. So they said, Jesus, tell the people to go home now. And Jesus was going, boom, boom, boom. In verse 16, Jesus said, the people don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Disciples were focused on the fact that they didn't have enough food. They weren't focused on what they do have. They were focused on the fact that they didn't have what they needed. And so they said, we have here only five loaves and two fish. Crisis, tick, talk, tick, talk, tick, talk. And Jesus said, bring them here to me. And you know what he did? He blessed it. And they picked up 12 baskets full, one for each Jewish tribe. We had more than we needed. Mark chapter 8, the feeding of the 4,000. And this is beautiful. There's, there's, a lot of sim, uh, there's a lot of reasons these stories were told. The feeding of the 5,000 was to Jewish people. The feeding of the 4,000 was to Gentiles. Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, Jesus says, he comes to the disciple and makes them aware of the crisis. Have you ever had God make you aware of the crisis? Jesus, it says, I feel sorry for these people. They've been here for three days listening to me teach. Jesus, you, should, you don't feel sorry. Any of us would love three days to hear you teach. I feel sorry for these. They've been here for three days. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way. For some have come a long distance. And the, the disciples said, how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? And Jesus asked, how much do you have? And they said, seven loaves. Hear, hear the crisis report. And a few small fish. I love that. A few. More than two. But they're small. How I many of you feels like the media reporting on our situation right now? It's, it's all we got, and it's, it's kind of insignificant. And Jesus' question is to them, what do you have? What can you do? Better yet, what can you bring to me to help you do what I want you to to do. Did you hear what I just said? You didn't act like it. His question is, what do you have that you can bring to me that I can help you do what you need to do? Jesus' question is just that. What do you have? What can you do? What can you bring? There's, a, there's stories all through the Bible. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. The widow says to Elisha, the widow her husband's gone. And she says, my husband's gone. The bills are piling up and the collectors are coming to take my two sons and make them slaves. And Elijah asked her this, what do you have in your house? You've told me what you don't have and what you can't do. You can't pay the bills. What do you have? And she answered in verse 2, 2 Kings chapter 4, what I have in my house, nothing at all. 
except a jar of a little bit of oil. Please don't miss this. He said, goat oil was fuel for living. It was valuable. They needed it to cook. That was her, that's what she needed was more oil. And he said to her, what do you have? I have nothing. Except he said, then go get as many jars as you can collect, empty containers. And he said, as many as you can find. She sent one of her boys and they went and got him. And you know what happened? He said to her, now start pouring out of that, start pouring out of that jar that has a little into those empty jars. And she started, she started pouring. And that little one, what she didn't have, she had a little bit, just enough to fill up every jar. And what happened? When they filled up every jar that they had borrowed, the oil stopped flowing. I want to ask you something. The question that God asked Moses in Exodus chapter 4, when Moses goes, God, this just stinks. We're tired of being slaves. And I don't know what to do. I can't talk. I can't, I don't have any influence. But I can help you get somebody else to do the work. And God says, listen, what do you have, Moses? And Moses said, he said, actually, what is in your hand? And what did he say? He said, there's a staff, a rod. I can't, well, I can, but I'm not going, I can't apologize for God right here. God can use anything. So God says, let it fall to the ground. And it fell to the ground and it became a snake. And then God says, pick it up by its tail. How many of you know that's a hard word from the Lord right there? I'm, I'm like, but God was teaching him something. God's ways are higher than our ways. And the amazing thing is all he had was a rot. It fell and became a snake. And, and Moses picked it up and it became a rod again. And, and God said, I want you to go before the people. And you're worried about them believing whether or not I have called you. Give them that sign. What do you have this morning? Can you make the most of every opportunity? And Moses went and did that, and they were like, wow. And there were some other signs God told him to do. But all he had was a rap sheet where he had murdered somebody. He was too old to be used. And all he had was a rod. There's some people here, you're focused on your resources dwindling. Don't focus on that. You're focused on what you can't do, what you don't have. Hear me. Pastor Chuck Ramsey is not going to spend 2022 focused on, listen, what I don't have, what I can't do, and how bad the situation is in our nation. I am going to focus on what I do have, what I can do, and how awesome God is. And I invite you to do the same. What do you have? When I came back here, we needed a lot of stuff, and we didn't have it.
but we could pray. And we started praying. And don't check out on me right now. We began to pray, and God has begun to do miracle after miracle after miracle. If you're sitting there going, we're seeing the end of this situation, why don't you plant something? What do you have? Do you have enough time to pray? Then join us. What if God is to say and look out over the nation and go, wow, D.C. is broke. The schools are woke. And the church is sleeping What if God says, and I'm just hypothetically, what if he looks out at the nation and goes, I don't have anything to work with. I can't do anything. Or what if he says, I look out over the nation and there's that one little church just north of Atlanta and they keep praying and that's all I've got to work with and God says, I can make 12 baskets left over. That's more than I need. If they'll do that, I can work with that. In the name of Jesus, listen, I got some crazy faith coming up on me. And I want to speak into our low level, our limited God, our small faith and say, we gather in here and pray that God might shake not only this nation, but the nations. This isn't a crisis. This is an opportunity. And may we Focus on what we have, what we can do, and how awesome God is, how powerful God is, how attuned to our needs our God is. Are y'all out there this morning? Come on and tell somebody, nudge somebody sitting next to you. Nudge and tell them, wake up. Wake up. Now, third, the days are evil. Paul said, make most of this opportunity because the days are evil. Do I need to even talk about this? Everybody, can we move on off of number three? Everybody knows the days, it's yuck. But we're not going to focus on it. But we're not going to ignore it. Christians, let, let me, let me, I'm going to skip that part. There's two verses. If you want to see them, Revelation 12, 9, you can look at them later. 1 John 5, 19. 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world around us is under the control of the evil one. So we know it. The beautiful thing about this crisis is it's waking up Christians to the fact that the evil one is still fighting and contending. And it's waking up the Christians. Number four, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Christians at Ephesus, in the earlier chapter, verse one and verse, chapter one, verse 13 and 14, Paul says, that you've been sealed by the Spirit. Thus they were, and in, in chapter 430, verse 30, he says, don't grieve the Spirit. They were indwelt by the Spirit as every Christian is. But we may be indwelt and not filled by him. We may possess him without his possessing us. Ephesians chapter 1, this is the same chapter that we get our text from. Look what Paul says in verse 13. And now you Gentiles have also heard, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. The the idea here is a letter being sealed, and it's still apropos for us today. 
our Christmas cards when we address them and we put correct postage on them and we lick them and sealed them shut for that postman to not at least attempt to get it to your address for him to open that up and go I want to see the picture of this family I want to see this Christmas card is a federal offense and Paul is saying right here God by his spirit in you the work he has done is sealed has sealed you and God has destined that your location you will arrive in heaven because of the, what the work of the Holy Spirit has done and will do in your life. How many of you are thankful that the Holy Spirit has kept you sealed all these years? Oh, you don't mean it. You don't mean it. If you knew how the Holy Spirit has kept me out of messes, even when I wrestled, I got in some, he brought me out. I'm, I, we... We underestimate and we don't teach to the power of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. We got all this head knowledge, all this shoulders up faith when God wants not only for us to possess him, but him to possess us. In John chapter 7, he wants his life flowing up and out of us because of the overflowing power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 Paul said it's so important. Look what the Passion Translation says. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted this holy influence in your life. In the name of Jesus. Jesus says in Luke 21, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness. And by the worries of watching too much Fox News of this life, that's, that's, the, that's it, the passion translation. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. Brothers and sisters, 1 Peter 5 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, be awake. And I'm going to close with this. And I want you to begin to open your hearts to receiving all that the Bible says you should have as it relates to your relationship of the, with the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 25, you remember the verse, the chapter before is the great chapter about the end times, Matthew 24. And Jesus gives us all these signs about the end times. All these signs that we're seeing happening right now. And then Matthew 25, the first parable that he, he mentions is the parable of the ten virgins. Five virgins have their lamps with oil in them. Five other virgins have their lamps with oil in them and several containers of oil with them too. And Jesus says, it got time for the... What's the oil in the lamps? What's a picture of? Anointing. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. Please, 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 please don't miss this. Jesus says in the last day, you're going to need to have some anointing, some Holy Spirit to keep your, your lamp alive. And the Bible says as the time drew near for the bridegroom, Jesus, to return. They went out and the ten virgins that had oil in their lamp their lamps burned out. 
And they said to those who had extra supply of anointing the Holy Spirit, they said, can we borrow some? And they said, no, you got to go get your own because we want to have enough. And this is a personal thing. And so the five who didn't have enough rushed off to Home Depot to get more oil. But while they were there, and they were sincere, they meant well. They knew and were hoping for the, the bride to come. But they didn't have enough anointing. They didn't have enough Holy Spirit. And so as they were off getting some more oil, Jesus returned. And that's the picture Jesus says. It won't be five whores. It won't be, it's not five sluts. These are, these are Christians. It's a picture of people in church who have an, a lamp. They've let their light shine. But in the moment that counts, they run out of Holy Spirit power. But the five who had more than they needed, they, were, they met the groom. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, help us all in our families. So what, what, what is the message? Here, don't hear me as some legalistic, backwoodsy preacher going, you better be ready, you better be ready. No, hear me saying, what do you have? Make sure you got enough oil. And when you got enough oil, you're not going to be sweating it. He comes like a thief in the night to those who weren't expecting him. But he comes like a bride, groom, for those who are expecting him. This is not a message of you better get your act together. This is a message of be open to the Holy Spirit because he's going to keep you alive, making the most of every opportunity, being very careful how you live. Are y'all out there this morning? Come on. So stand with me. How many of you would say, Pastor Chuck, I may not fully understand it, but I want as much Holy Spirit in my life as the, as the Bible promises me. Come on. If you're out there and you're saying that this morning, do y'all understand the season that we're in? It is, we all agree it's a Kairos moment, right? Look at me. When they hired Kirby Smart, I'll never forget the interview. If the musicians could quickly come, please. I'll never forget the interview. Uh, Stake Shapiro on 680 The Fan before Kirby coached his first game. It was like a day or two after they hired him. They said this. Kirby, what was it like to coach for Nick Saban? I'm the Georgia coach. Why is your first question, what was it like? to? He didn't say that. You know what he said? Coaching for Nick Saban, it was always fourth and one. How many football players, you get it. Fourth and one. When it's fourth and one and the offense stays on the field, and the defensive coordinator doesn't overrule the head coach, and the head coach has courage and is a, a gamer, and they go, we're going for it. People in the stands stand up. There's hyper-focus. The band stops playing. The cheerleaders stop cheering. They turn around, and everybody watches on fourth and one. And they don't need eight yards. They don't need two yards. They need 37 inches. Kirby went on to say, Coaching for Nick Saban, when he pulled in the parking lot, nobody looking out the window, you could feel it. I don't know if you've heard him talk about it. 
Do y'all feel Jesus pulling into the parking lot? Do you feel that hour, that Kairos moment? Your pastor feels it. I don't have to look out the window. The spirit in me says, it's fourth and one. Let's go for it. Hyper focus. And I'm an old offensive guy, quarterback. I'm not afraid. Because we're going to pick up this first down. <laughs> I don't mean to wax all football the day before the national championship when Kirby Smart plays against, his team plays against Nick Saban's team. But how many of you are ready to go for it? Come on. How many of you feel in the name of Jesus? I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. And I don't know how we're going to do it, but we have enough time. In the name of Jesus, there may be people coming down the steps. If you are here today, and I want to ask Pastor Munn and Pastor Arvel and elders, I, I want us in, on this, last Sunday was the first Sunday, but this is kind of like the real first Sunday. Everybody's back in town. In the name of Jesus, brothers and sisters, may we let his spirit rule us. Let his spirit fill us up to overflowing. May we be open to everything the Bible says we need, and it is oil in our lamps and extra oil. If you're here saying, Pastor Chuck, I want to open myself up to being continually filled with the Spirit. I want you to just step out. Come all the way down. If you're here this morning, in the name of Jesus, come on, step out. All over in the balcony too, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And as you come, just hold your hands out. Lift your hands up. Put yourself in a posture to receive from the Lord. We praise you, Lord. Lord, we need a fresh wind. You've got anointing oil. Go ahead. You elders, go ahead and begin to minister in the name of Jesus. And I just, they're not going to stop and pray over any person for a long time. We're just going to anoint. And this oil is just virgin olive oil. There's nothing special about it, but it is symbolic, and this is what the Scripture teaches us to do. Symbolically, we're saying, Lord, anoint our head, anoint where our mind thinks, where we live, anoint us and fill us with your Spirit. Come on, in the name of Jesus. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled in the name of Jesus. We hunger for you, Holy Spirit. Be poured out in this place. We welcome you, Lord, in this season. In the name of Jesus, we praise you, Lord. The fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Holy anointing. Power of your presence. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. We need a fresh wind. The fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Holy anointing. The power of your presence. Cause we need a fresh wind and fresh.
Come on now, just lift your hands and let's sing. Come on, lift it up. Spirit out, pour your spirit out. In the name of Jesus. Pour your spirit out. 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 Come on. We need a fresh wind. The fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. A holy anointing. The power of your presence. Pour your spirit out. Oh, come on, everybody, lift it up. We need a fresh wind, fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out. 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 Come on. Pour your spirit out. We praise you, Lord. We praise your name, Jesus. We hunger for you, Lord. We thirst for you. We long for you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Father, in this room, we hunger for you, Lord. We long for you. For the man or the woman who stands here this morning and they're like, I, I don't really feel that hunger. I pray, Lord, awaken us to be hungry in this season. I pray, Father, that you would stir our hearts. And brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you as you come before the Lord and you long for more of Him. Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He doesn't barge in. He never forces His way in. Everything Jesus taught us about the Holy Spirit was... If you're hungry, he'll respond. If you want him, he'll come in. And so in the name of Jesus, Lord, awaken us to that. Awaken us to, there's a new level. There's more in you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, awaken us, Lord. Now I want to encourage everybody. God is constantly doing things in our lives. When we permit him to, listen, 
He's constantly doing things in our lives like Moses. He does something new. You're like, I don't really even understand fully what that means. And I'm not talking about extra biblical things, things that are not in the Bible. But sometimes God does things in us that stretch the doctrine that we have and the box we've put in, put him in, in our lives. And what I'm praying is that our box will be a biblical box that will claim our inheritance. And then Matthew 25, that we will have more oil than we need. In these days, we're not going to run out. We are going to make the most of every opportunity. And so fire of God, fall. Burn up things that are not like you, things that we don't need and shouldn't have. Consume us, Lord, by the work of your spirit. It's your mercy and grace, Lord. You know how we operate best. You have a life plan for us that we can't even fathom until your spirit leads us into that place. And we want to go with you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just praise you, Lord. Would you just continue in the spirit of prayer? I want to praise. I feel Holy Spirit. I just want to speak some things over you. I feel like Holy Spirit. I didn't prepare this, but there, some of you are going to experience his presence in overwhelming ways in private situations. In your daily devotion in the morning, in the shower, getting ready, driving, in traffic. But you got to turn off the noise. Turn off the 680. Put on some worship music. Just listen. The Bible app, it will, it will read itself for you. Give your, make the most of the opportunities you have. And here's the second thing that's getting ready to happen. I'm feeling it bubbling up in me. I'm out in restaurants with a greater boldness and a, a more acute sense of love and compassion for the people waiting on my tables. And Candace will tell you, every waiter and waitress we have, they're that close right there. They're just waiting on somebody to go, can I pray for you? Are y'all recognized? And listen, as Holy Spirit comes and fills us up, you're getting ready to be more utilized in the kingdom. And I'm not talking he's going to make a fool. And some of y'all are like, ah, I don't want to go to Africa. Alpharetta needs you. God's focused on Alpharetta. Don't be afraid of Africa. But some of you, how many of you would love that power of Acts 1? Jesus said, you'll receive power to be effective witnesses for me. In the name of Jesus. We're blessed now as Christians are gathering. And a lot of pastors would be like, that's awesome. Bigger budget, bigger crowds. No, that's not the kingdom. May the bigger crowds get bigger Holy Spirit so that when we go out, we're ascending agency and we're sending hope and salvation and light and joy into North Atlanta. Are y'all out there? Quit looking at me like that. Are y'all out there this morning? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves this year. We're going to pray. We're going to believe you. In the name of Jesus, stretch us, Lord. Surprise us with the reality of who you are, how powerful you are. In the name of Jesus. And for those of you who are watching online, if you're still with us, I want to just encourage you. You may be going, I can't get there. I want to get there. Jerry Bowers and Ed and Wynn and um, the Daytrees. In the name of Thank God you do have, what you do have is Facebook and a live feed. 
And we pray right where you are in the name of Jesus. May the Holy Spirit fill you up, touch your heart, empower you in this season. In the name of Jesus, may we live opportunistically in the name of Jesus, recognizing, seeing these opportunities. And you, Lord, giving us what we do need so we can do what you're calling us to do. How many of you received that? Come on, you received that. Come on, give the Lord praise. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, Lord, use us as we leave. We pray, Lord, your blessings. Lord, bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless y'all. Have a great afternoon. I hope to see you Tuesday night at prayer. of heaven.